Let's admit up front that this is not a depiction of Jesus that we are used to seeing in the Gospels. And it might be why Luke is the only one who records it. You know, most of the time we're used to seeing a Jesus who is full of conviction and action, pushing forward the mission of the kingdom. A Jesus who preaches to the crowds, confronts the Pharisees, upends religious convention, just like he overturned the tables in the temple. To be sure, there are lots of images like that of Jesus in the Gospels, including in the Gospel of Luke. But not here. Not in Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Here, Luke chooses to pull the curtain back just just a little bit and and give us a, a privileged glimpse into the mind and the heart of the Messiah and show us a side of him that is not only rare, but deeply personal. And it's the side of Jesus that comes at just the right time for us today. This is a Jesus of lament, a Jesus who is longing for a world that is better than it is, who recognizes the limits of his abilities. He's turned his sights toward the city of Jerusalem, knowing that this will be the final stop on his three-year public ministry before he would be turned over to the hands of the religious and civic authorities to be crucified. But rather than fear for his life or have second thoughts about being put to death, Jesus focused instead on the societal and political and spiritual brokenness of the world, and he wished it were different. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he said, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing Wow. Rarely do we get a portrait of Jesus acknowledging the limits of his power. He sees the conditions of society as they are and recognizes that he cannot simply lift a finger and make things all perfect and right again. Instead, we see a Jesus who is longing, desiring, even hoping that the world can be better than it is. What do we do with this portrait of Jesus? I mean, we might find it so unsettling that we choose to conclude that what we are seeing here is simply the human side of Jesus. You know, that he was exhibiting the kind of full humanity that you and I have been living in for months and years. You and I know what it feels like to observe the conditions of the world today and feel so demoralized and heartbroken about all that is afflicting us today. The devastation of a pandemic, racial and social inequity, economic uncertainty, hyper-partisanship, deep disagreements over the nature of truth itself. Not to mention all the burdens that you and I are carrying in our individual lives and in our families and in our loved ones. I mean, we get it, Jesus. We get why you felt so powerless. We get why you were longing. You were fully human, and so were we. But, but I wonder if the reason Luke includes this story of Jesus is not to show us Jesus at his most human, 
What if it is to show us Jesus at his most divine? And what if this story comes to us today to show us how to let go of fear and cultivate hope, real, genuine, divine hope? Notice with me that in this story, Jesus does not just diagnose the world for as it is. He is clearly and boldly imagining and claiming a world as it can be. He says there will be a day when they will see the kingdom break through and they will see him in all his glory and they will say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hope is not a human quality. It is a characteristic of God and it is a gift from God. Hopelessness is the human condition. It's the one that bemoans and decries the way the world is and has been. But this story shows us that God is not content with the world as it is. And God has the capacity to imagine a better world filled with more love and justice and equality and beauty. And when we see those possibilities, and when that spirit of imagination grabs a hold of us and compels us to not be content with our lives as they are, then that gives us hope a hope that can only come from God. Hope is a gift from God that fills the margins between the world as it is and the world as God envisions it can be. Now, I know that when we normally think of hope, we think of hope as something we can lose. When we feel hopeless, we feel like hope is something that we have lost, that we've let go of, as if hope were a rope that we are desperately clinging to with with all of our strength and all of our might and, and something that we can let go of when we feel like giving up. But this story would suggest that that is not the biblical idea of hope. Hope is not something you hold It is something that holds you. And rather than say that you are losing hope or have lost all hope, it may be more accurate to say that you are choosing not to be embraced by the hope that God is longing for you to have. You can insert your name instead of the name Jerusalem. As Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I desire to gather you as a hen gathers her brood under her wing. Now, when I think of the hope of God, I I cannot help but think of the name Jürgen Moltmann. Jürgen Moltmann has been one of the greatest theologians and thinkers and writers about the Christian faith for most of the last 75 years. He's, He's 94 years old now, still writing and teaching. Jürgen Moltmann grew up in Hamburg, Germany, in a secular, non-Christian home. At a young age, he was drafted to serve in the armed forces and was assigned to anti-aircraft patrol to defend the city of Hamburg from Nazi air raids. Jürgen Moltmann watched as dozens of his friends and comrades were killed, and he was eventually imprisoned for several months he confronted the brokenness of the world head on. And it was during that time that this young secular man, who had originally wanted to be a mathematician and a physicist, turned his mind toward questions about God. 
Jürgen Moltmann explored the nature of human suffering and the nature of God and the message that the church might offer that he perhaps had been spared by fate to deliver to the world. And in 1964, Moltmann published a book called The Theology of Hope, one of the greatest Christian texts of the 20th century. It would guide the Christian church in confronting one kind of brokenness after another, the civil rights movement, the war in Vietnam, economic and social inequality. Moltmann said that for far too long, Christian hope was defined strictly as saving souls to free us from earth and get us into heaven after we die. But he recognized that that, that conclusion created apathy in the church to address the real problems people were facing and only deepened the brokenness in the world. Moltmann said this, faith sees in the resurrection of Christ, not the eternity of heaven, but the future of the very earth on which his cross stands. It sees in him the future of the very humanity for which he died. That is why it finds the cross, the hope of the earth. What Jesus was exhibiting in Luke 13, 31 to 35, was a hope that the world could be better than it was. This was not a powerless Jesus, accepting his limitations and wishing he could do more. This was God showing the power of hope to fill the margins between the way things were and the way things can be. Now, there's a, there's a practical word that comes from this story, one that you and I can apply as we discover how to let go of fear and cultivate hope. Jürgen Moltmann once decried two different camps of Christians, the pietists and the secularists. He said the pietists are people of all prayer, but no action. The secularists were people of action, but no prayer. He said that instead, the pietists need to be willing to act, and the secularists need to be more willing to pray. It's an astute observation. Maybe you find yourself in the pietist camp, trying to live a good and decent life, dutifully tending to your soul and your spiritual practices of prayer and scripture reading and worship and so on. But the hope of God compels you to do something I mean, really do something to bring hope to the real problems of the world, to, in, to engage in acts of mercy and compassion as well as acts of justice and advocacy. Well, maybe you find yourself in the secularist camp. You are all about good works. You serve out of your giftedness, perform works of charity for the betterment of our community, engage in programs to address injustice in our world, but the hope of God compels you to center yourself in the spiritual life, to pray, to meditate on the scriptures, to worship, to fast, and to pay attention to the condition of your soul. How might you find a better balance between piety and action? I can do better at that, and so can you. And we do our best to offer that balance as a church here at Hyde Park United Methodist. 
If you want to grow in the action side, go to the Hyde Park and Portico websites. Get in touch with Vicki Walker and Justin LaRosa. Learn about what we are doing in missions here and around the world. Get involved with our justice team and learn about projects like the Equal Justice Initiative and, and ministries of racial reconciliation and, and affordable housing and our partnership with an organization called the Hillsborough Organization for Progress and Equality, literally the acronym HOPE. And if you are currently on the action side, I really encourage you to deepen your spiritual practices. I encourage you again to go to our websites and get in touch with John Barolo, our Director of Discipleship, so that he can guide you in taking the next step in developing the daily disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, the spiritual practice of financial generosity, getting involved with a small group, and so on. Jürgen Moltmann once said, I am an optimist because otherwise I'd be a pessimist. <laughs> Fair enough, right? But then he went on. I am an optimist because of my indwelling pessimism. There is ground to be an optimist, not on what I see, but in what I trust in, if I listen to the gospel. He said, there is the triumph of grace over against sin, and there is a triumph of love over against hatred. Let's pray. God of hope, give us a faith that can fill the margins between the way things are and the way things can be. Meet us in our hopelessness and embrace us just like a mother hen would gather her young. Surround us with a love that will cast out our fear and show us the way of prayerful action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.